Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat to some of the interesting figures and leading lights in this crazy industry we're in of writing and self-publishing. And today we are delighted to have a guest who I'm quite familiar with, I've worked with before, I think she's wonderful, Leah Busboom, who's written a plethora of books. Isn't plethora a good word? Word. I like that one. Uh, and she has come here to talk to us all about uh, the murky... Uh, the murky navigating of genres and things like that. I'm sure Craig will be able to put it much, much uh, better than I could just then. So speaking of uh, of that, first of all, Leah, thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, we are delighted to have you. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing well. Thanks, Roland. Thank you for joining us, Leah. Um, yeah, we were just we were talking about the idea of writing against uh, genre when when Leanne and I were talking about uh, doing this podcast, and she has a um, you know a, a story to tell about uh, what she has done in that area and how well it. We try to figure out, you know uh what we can what we can learn from that and and uh you know just overall discuss you know the idea of sticking to you know one genre one, one subgenre you know what what the ramifications are um of of branching out and trying something different you know it really depends obviously some people will have different experiences but you know hearing one person's experience is often a good indication of uh of at least you know one path that you might end up going down so let's uh let's jump into that uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the books you've uh you know written the genre you're normally in and then sort of get use that as a springboard into sort of what happened when you experimented a bit okay well <laughs> thank you um i'm a romance writer and the broad category is romance uh, most of the books I've written are, in fact, all except for the one I'm going to talk about, <laughs> uh, is contemporary romance or romantic comedies, rom-coms, so to speak. And uh, it just occurred to me one day that, gee, wouldn't it be cool if I wrote a time travel romance? You know, had no experience doing that. Um and, you know, I, I kind of think that authors in the back of their mind have this, this impression that if we write it, they will come. You know, kind of a thing, right? Oh, I could write anything. I could, you know, everybody will read it. So I wrote this time travel romance um, and really enjoyed writing the thing um, and had a really, uh, you know, good time doing that. But... After I wrote it, I sort of paused and thought, okay, how do I market this, right? And, and let me explain kind of the full part of it. Uh, she's a country music star. So we've got, you know, this rock star thing, but it's country music star. Then we have, she accidentally, she didn't intend to have this happen. She accidentally goes back to 1855 and she meets this a guy that she falls in love with. So I've got almost half the novel is written uh, trying to depict what life would be like in 1855. And a lot of the reviews have said, woo, I'm glad I don't live in 1855. 
because, you know, it was a lot of research. I was afraid I'd write about something that wasn't even invented, right? So you had to do a lot of research about that. Well, she falls in love with him, but she does not fall in love with the time period, right? It's like, oh, I hate it here. This is awful. I don't have my cell phone. I mean, you know, it's that kind of a thing. So they figure out how to get her back. And, you know, you just have to kind of suspend your belief system on, is time travel really possible? But anyway, she goes back. And then the book keeps going with the guy and talks about the rest of his life. There's a couple chapters on that. And then he sets this plan in motion to get her together with his great, 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 great grandson. Well, that, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of a cool thing. Uh, He passes this box down over time through his family. And it has the book that she read when she was with him. And before she leaves, she throws him this locket. The locket's in the box, too. Uh, Very rusty, very bad looking, you know. So the grandson in current time, he's not invested at all in getting her this box, right? But he does. And they fall in love. So I've got this very odd story in a way because, A, it's a time travel. B, it's a historical romance and a contemporary romance all at once, right? And she doesn't end up with the original guy. And I've got some fairly scathing reviews over that. Um, You know, in romance, it's usually, okay, she meets the guy, she falls in love with the guy, right? Well, she did that, but she went back to her current time frame, and he didn't come with. And and that was explored in the book, too, as to why he didn't go along. Um, But, you know, he just didn't feel like he could. So then she ends up with this other guy, which I think is, I kind of like that. But, you know, that's really writing against the romance, how romances are written, right? I just totally broke the rules. It's kind of like the rule that everyone says, don't kill the dog. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing, right? I, the guy who she fell in love with in 1855, that ends up, I even write about his death. You know, he dies <laughs> because, you know, he's way back there in time. Um, and the the grandson, while I wrote him, I thought, attractive and everything, people were still kind of, readers were still a little bit hung up on the original guy. Why didn't she end up? Why didn't she just go, you know, some magic occur and they end up together, right? Oh, I feel like my book was realistic in that, other than time travel. You could do that. <laughs> but it, it probably would be realistic that you wouldn't like that time period. You wouldn't want to live there. And so you're willing to give up the love of your life Go back to your current time frame, and still you can fall in love with someone else. That's not an impossible thing. <laughs> no, um, I mean people, people do, don't they? In real life, people have exactly, exactly. Right. But what I've learned, the hard lesson is, romance readers don't really want to deal with real life. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? So here I am with this book to try to market it. Um, when when people read it, other than the ones who want her to end up with the original guy, most people say, oh, I really do like this story. But I very much narrowed my niche down to you know, 10 readers versus hundreds of readers, right? Accidentally, didn't know I was doing that. 
Um, let me give another example. So I signed up for this promotion via Book Funnel, and I put it in the historical romance promotion. I thought, well, maybe this is where I find my readers, right? They really love this thing. I got kicked out of the promotion. <laughs> it oh, wasn't, wow. It wasn't a historical romance in the true. So see, I don't fit in any category. Even trying to figure out my Kindle categories has been a struggle. What Especially am I? Since well, they've changed everything around as well. Well, yeah, narrative. you only have three now. <laughs> well, four. okay. So, so there is actually. I'm, I was just looking. There is a, a Kindle ebooks romance time travel. There is. Okay. So I, I wouldn't say that you know you you've limited your potential readers too much because you know if you look at the the rankings of uh, you know the the one in the in the first spot and that you know is it uh, is that number no no it's uh, I don't know it's called blast from the past um, okay and it's uh, you know number one in time travel romance but it's number eighty eight in the whole Kindle store um, you know and the next one is uh, to delighting her Highland Devil but that's uh, that's book seven of a series. Um, and that's 1,520 in the Kindle store. So, I mean, there are readers, but I think, yeah, Outlander's number three there and number four. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that there's actually in your, in that case, my guess is there's a couple other things going on there. You know, one thing in particular that jumps out to me is romance writers, uh, romance readers typically like the HEA, you know, the happily ever after ending. And I know that you say that, you know, there is one for, for her at least. Uh, they want it with the couple, like the, the original couple, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then there's also the idea of, you know, multiple partners, not that she was cheating or whatever, because they don't like that, but, you know, the idea that, uh, one, so, I mean, I don't know, I haven't read the book, but is it like, does she, is there just a whole romance with her and the, and the first guy and then another whole romance with her and the, and the grandson or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then it's kind of like, who do they root for? And, you know? and, but see, I didn't even, it didn't dawn on me. I'm busy writing the book. <laughs> <laughs> but let me yeah. turn to the time travel thing. Um, what I find, this is a clean and wholesome book. All right, there's right. one for strike against it in that time travel category. If you look at those, a lot of those are really steamy, especially Outlander, right? Very, very steamy. That readership seems to, expect that a little bit more than the clean and wholesome. I had a lady read it and she said, oh, I just love this book, but I've wished it was steamier. <laughs> so, you know, it's just so funny. I, I think uh, authors need to think about, it, it's sort of like you write the book and then you figure out how to market it, right? Maybe you should back up and think about that first because it doesn't really fit in any of those niches. And her falling in love with that first guy must have done a really great job in that part of the book because a lot of people are rooting for him, right? Well, he doesn't go back with her. And the grandson is the one she ends up falling in love with. Now, a lot of people end up saying, oh, that's cool. You know, that's neat how that ended up because it really did send him to her. I don't think those two would have ever met each other, the grandson and her, if he hadn't right. dreamed up this hand down this box over time thing. And it, what he put in it was so meaningful for her, right? This locket that she had left him and she knew that he always thought about her and that his love really did 
sort of span the bounds of time. That was kind of my my theme with that, right? Yeah. But readers still, they can really be hard on you, you yeah, know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They like what they like, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I. I I've, ex- I've experienced the same thing when I started writing romance. I wrote, uh, there's a British author called Jilly Cooper and her book's called Bonkbusters because everyone was always jumping into bed with everyone else. So I wrote one of that and everyone was like, oh my goodness, you can't have the characters cheating. That's like, and I realized, yeah, no cheating. Right, right. No cheating, you know, no, any of that. Not that she cheated, right? She didn't. But there's still kind of this line that they wanted her to end up with the first guy it's obvious in a lot of the reviews and a lot of the response to the book um i think when i look back you know maybe as an author you have to tell yourself okay there's sometimes when you just write it and maybe you don't care that you know it's not selling like you thought it would or that you hope it would um but if you do that time and time again i think you're going to really struggle as an author because let me contrast that against my rom-coms. They like fly off the shelf. You know, you very much have a standard formula that you follow where this book that we're talking about doesn't. It's not a standard formula. People are confused. Um, I didn't realize that I was doing that. And I kind of re- regret it because I think it's such a good book. I wish I could convince more people to read it. But you know well okay so so let's talk about that a bit because um you know it also depends on how you're trying to sell it because if you have a big uh built-in audience that reads your rom-coms and your your contemporary romance and you kind of expected them to all devour this book and it's not really their type then then yeah you could say okay well then from that sense it's it's you know not going to do as well um but did you try to did you actually try to advertise and market this one uh, aside from your own list? Like, you know, do we ads? Did. You did? Yes. You did? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And it's still and, Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like a super dead. It's not like a little <laughs> one or something. But um, it, it's just this hesitation to to read it. My, my readership I have that, you know, like you said, they read all my rom-coms. They read all my small town romance. Really like that. This is a small town romance. Just small town just happened to be back in 1855. Um, but you're right. They, they all seem to hesitate to read it. Oh, I'm not really into the time travel thing. So I thought, okay, we need to find those time travel readers. So I've joined a lot of promotions for time travel. I've gone to Facebook and promoted it on time travel, romance specific. And I still don't feel like I'm getting this breakthrough of people who are like, oh, wow, this is really unique and interesting and I love it. Uh, It's more like, yeah, but she didn't end up with the original guy. Yeah, I think, you know, I think they probably become invested in that first relationship. And then, you know, like, was it like pretty much a half and half? You know, you spent yeah, half the work. No yeah, kidding. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I think that, you know, that was probably more of your your problem than the other. Does your blurb sort of tell people that that's what's going to happen? Yes. And then that might be pushing them away as well, you know. It but, could be. And not that you Not that you want to necessarily hide it because, right. you know, you don't want to get bad reviews, but... I think that's that's going to be part of it as well, right? Right. Um, Unfortunately, specific... 
it's yeah. a tough lesson. I mean, you feel like you write a really quality book, uh, and the thing that's you know against it is it doesn't fit. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. It's hard to to find people for something brand new because you know there's so many other things that they already like. They already know they like. Um, you know, it, it does happen, but. You know, I think that if you had instead sort of um, made that historical part, maybe made her not necessarily fall in love with the guy, but, you know, had this like this connection with them, you know, he helped her out and they, and they didn't really have a romance, kept it a little bit shorter. And then when she went back to, you know, present time and, and still kept that whole thing of like he passed that on and that's how he met you know, the, right. the the grandson and then the romance was between her and the grandson. And then it's like, that's how they, you know, they got together. I think that that would have probably worked a lot better to, to that sort of a crowd. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, hindsight's always perfect, right? Yeah. It's yeah. better. Um, <laughs> my editor warned me when he died in the book. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's another and, thing. Right? And I didn't have him die penniless and heartbroken. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> he married another lady. They had children. I mean, how did this box get passed down? Right. He had kids and everything. Uh, she said, your readers won't feel a satisfied ending for him. His name is Matthew. But I was determined. I'm like, but this is how it happened. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just, I wanted to kind of share this story because I think there's a, a limit to how pigheaded you want to be, so to speak. You know, I should have listened to her. I could have maybe made it softer, like you said. She met him. He helped her out. I mean, she's stranded in this time frame she knows nothing about. Um, everybody gets kind of a warm and fuzzy feeling from that, but not that she fell in love with him, right? No. Um, but I didn't... I don't know. At the time, I wanted to write it this way. So I was just oh. going to write it this way. And I did and learned a hard lesson, I think. I learned a lesson that, yes, you can write what you want to write. But think about, you know, do you want anyone to read that? Or is there a better way to have written it? And I should have thought through it. I should have listened to my editor, for one thing. Because she told me his, his ending is, un, is not satisfying. I think one of the things is when you when you write genre fiction, there is there's like a formula for all of them. And it's because I mean, I went through the whole thing with you and now I'm like really strict on the formula. It's like the hero and the heroine have to meet at the end of chapter one. Yes. And it's like whoever that is, that's who she ends up with. And uh, yeah, he once he meets lays eyes on her, cannot be with another woman until the end of the book. She has some leeway she can like you know, have a, a go break up with her ex-boyfriend or go oh, for the right. millionaire, but end up with her, the same guy. But that one guy has to like, from that point on, he is straight mm -hmm. line. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think every author in sort of the back of their mind is like, I'll write something unique and interesting. Or uh, I've seen people post out on Facebook. Don't you get tired of these same tropes over and over? How about if somebody wrote a unique trope? Well, okay. Did it? <laughs> Didn't work. Yeah, it's always sort of a. Uh, I, well, listen, it could have worked. It just, um, you know, there are there are parts of I think the romance genre that um, that are almost unbreakable, right? The you know the idea of the HEA and the and having one person and stuff. I think those were more of the issue than the fact that it was time travel because 
you know, time travel romance does well. And, and, you know, if, if you had written sort of more along the, you know, what, what the time travel romance people expect, then, then yeah, but it's, it is harder too, because you have that built in audience that you then can't utilize. And, um, you know, there, time travel romance is very different than contemporary romance or rom-com. So there will be some overlap, but the, there's going to be a lot of people that are just like, no, nah, it's not for me. Right. Right. And they kind of judge it before they read it. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I found that. Um, so the other thing I did do was uh, have it made into an audio book, hoping that, well, maybe they can find my audience there and well, slowly chipping away at, at that. Um but, you know, I, I think I have to sort of like say, okay, you know, cut my losses and run, so to speak. Um, you know, that one was not the book I thought was really going to make, you know, a splash. It, it didn't. It did not. And that teaches you a little bit of a lesson in maybe if you're going to try something different, like Craig said, time travel. Well, yeah, I'd seen Outlander. I'd seen the movie Time Traveler's Wave. Um, thought I knew all about it. Hmm. Well, maybe not. Uh, the thought that he didn't go back with her, maybe she should have traveled back to him or something. You, you know, there's the way that they handle it is in Outlander, she goes back and forth, right? Several times, in fact. Um, and right, everybody but she's- to like that. You know. But does she have a different lover in each time period, or is she always going back to the one guy? Well, I think he's the one she really loves. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There was a very long-running British sitcom uh, where a guy had a portal back to the Second World War, and he had a, a wife in the Second World War and a wife in the modern day. <laughs> and he went back and forth between them. But that was not a romance. That was a sitcom. Ah, gotcha. Right. Well, you yeah. know, I even thought, well, maybe I can market it as women's fiction or Western fiction. I mean, 1855, they're out in the pioneer days, you know. But then again, it's still like, um, you know, round peg, square hole in, to a certain degree, you know. I don't really fit in those either. Uh, so anyway, you just thought this might be interesting for other authors to think about. Yes, I don't discourage you to write something unique uh, and interesting, but, you know, think about how are you going to get your readers for that? And maybe like Craig said, I could have switched it a little bit and it might've been a big, huge success. Maybe I should rewrite it. I mean, you can. <laughs> I mean, it's your book. That's the beauty of self-publishing. You That's pull true. it down, change it up. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that there's the other thing there too is that if it, you said this was the book you wanted to write, and so it, it just becomes the idea of you know, does every book have to make a big profit for it to be satisfying to you as an author? Like maybe you get some personal satisfaction in telling a story that was in your head. And even if that one doesn't in particularly make a huge amount of money, then it's not as big of a deal. You know, it's the the idea of writing, you know, for, uh, for, to make a living or writing because you just love to write and it doesn't really matter. Right. And I mean, this is your job, but, at the same time, you know, maybe not every book has to be, uh, you know, slammed on. And that's okay. True. But at the, I think you are always writing for somebody. 
right? Maybe not just really? yourself. And yeah. so the dissatisfaction is not as much over the money as um, having people read it and love it. it. You know, having a certain number of readers, you're sharing this story with others. And it's uh, frustrating when you can't find who they are. <laughs> you know, you kind of bop around and think, okay, maybe it'll be these, this group would like it. You know, I haven't found a clear cut. Yeah. For this. <laughs> I mean, that is the other, that is the other sort of aspect of this to think about is when you write in a different genre than what you're normally writing to, you have to sometimes do things differently than what you're used to doing. And, and if you don't know um, what those things are, it would be a big learning curve. And then if you're doing something that's completely different, if you're inventing this new genre or this new thing, mm-hmm. how do you find those readers? Right. It's at that point, it's very difficult um, because, you know, if, if the group doesn't exist, then where do you go? How do you target them? You know, how do you, yeah, that's you know. true. But you also have to ask yourself, well, how did some of these ever get started? You know, you always think, could I be the one that did this unique, interesting thing? Um, I see it all the time out on Facebook. Um, oh, if you could dream up a new trope, what would it be? Okay, well, I, I dreamed one up, <laughs> you know. And maybe other authors think, oh, yeah, I can do that too. And they don't really think about, okay, after I've written that, even just figuring out your Kindle categories of all the silly things, right? right? Uh, I have it in Time Terrible. I did. Yeah. And at one point I took it out because I thought, well, maybe that's hurting it more than helping it. You know, it's kind of like when you switch the cover, right? Oh, well, maybe this cover will be better than that one. But <clears throat> I haven't found the silver bullet, but I still really love the book. I'm not mad I wrote it. Um, I'm just disappointed that I kind of made a mistake as an author. I readily admit that. I should have researched it better or something. Well, I mean, that's part of the process. What is a writer? A writer is just somebody who has that this, this stubborn gene and they just don't give up. I mean, I wrote 11 full-length books before I had my first bestseller. And I went through the same journey as yours. I started off writing books in which they cheated and I wrote them in third person. And then I stopped with the cheating and then I tried writing it in first person. And each book did slightly better. And then like there was one book and suddenly it exploded. And I was like, oh, and you have (laughs) MMA. Yeah, well, it's funny. Craig Craig and I met on a on a message board for for writers writing romance. And I started off writing uh, books about MMA fighters. And it was MMA romance. And it's it's funny. I had people who liked them, but it was such a small, tiny, specific niche. And then when I did yeah. something more general, it was like, oh, I get it now. Like, yeah. right. Right. Well, but when you were doing it, didn't you kind of feel like um, this is the stories I want to write? Or what kind of made you change your, you know, change your I, mind or whatnot? Oh, money. <laughs> Well, it was money, but actually, I have to admit, I was writing these MMO books. They weren't going anywhere, and I was kind of, like, trying to push through. And then when I was like, if I could write any book, 
that was a romance, what would I do? And I had it in my brain. It just like all assembled. I'd like, I just watched Jurassic Park. Chris Pratt looked great in that. I get Chris Pratt and I get the, the, the mum from How I Met Your Mother, the sassy Italian girl. And uh, I put them in, I put them in Alaska and he'd be a bush pilot and it'd be a bit of a bear. And I wrote that. And then I, and it was because then it was almost like I'd done a Hollywood movie in my head and it was so much more, it had so much more general appeal than like specifically MMA fighters. And I got quite into that. And then I was like, oh, it was, it's got more general appeal and it was more successful. People seem to like it more. I enjoyed writing it more. It had a bear in it. And none of my previous books had a bear in it. So there we go. <laughs> That's a good one. That must have been, that must have been it. Um, I think, you know, it's a good point too, because, uh, you know, if, if you, when you first wrote your very first book, how, did that do well? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, one, that one did okay. Okay, right. Um, so it wasn't a smash it out of the park. No, it know. wasn't. It, I right. was really like rolling, had to write 10, and then finally, well, so there you go. So, this is it, you know? this is almost like starting fresh again, right? Because you've written this thing that isn't isn't a, a, an appeal to the audience that you've spent so all now. that time building, yeah. And now, you know, you can't really expect now if you write. 10 more of these kind of books, maybe you'd have success, but is that something you want to take a chance on? Probably not. <laughs> right. I, I, I would say I don't take a chance on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you were saying earlier, like, you know, how do you, you know, how does these other genres get started? And, you know, I don't know necessarily the answer to that, but we have talked about how self-publishing in general has allowed new genres to flourish because, it when traditionally published books were the only thing around those those trad pub uh publishers would only take the books that they knew sold really well they wouldn't take a chance on this totally different genre that nobody ever really did well on before so and then with self-publishing you know people could publish whatever they want and then certain books became big and people realized, hey, there is a genre, there is a, an appetite for that genre, that subgenre. And then all of a sudden everyone starts writing them. And then the traditionally published authors start accepting those kind of books. But, you know, it, it's not, I'm sure for every one of those that did well, there's lots of them that, that didn't, or lots of different kind of genre flavors that didn't, right? Right. There's yeah. one, there's BWWM, which is black woman, white man. And that was a that was a genre that didn't exist because traditional yeah. publishers were like, oh, who's going to buy these books? And then they self-publish. And now it's a huge genre with and I've I mean, I, I've read them just because I like to read books. And, and some of the authors, as Jamila Jasper, is just a brilliant writer. And it's really? kind of it's heartwarming to see self-publishing has allowed this genre to exist, whereas the gatekeepers, traditional publishing never used to uh, to support that those kind of books. So there is room for new new niches new genres new experiences if you can find what resonates with people i guess yeah no no that's 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 a good really good point um yeah i think the self-publishing thing uh it's interesting um you know no one's telling you no i mean the closest i came (laughs) that was my uh editor uh, warning me that well he dies and she doesn't end up with <laughs> you know yes. that he didn't have the satisfying love ending mm-hmm. yeah i mean maybe yeah it, it, it's true when you say you know nobody's telling you no 
but but in the sense the readers end up ultimately saying no by by not buying it but but that's you know you gotta you gotta take this huge chance before you get that answer you know true and i mean you pour your heart into these things it's not like i wrote this book and thought oh well i just wrote that you you know you really put your heart in it and an effort you know researching the research and it was a lot of effort and then it kind of you know how you go okay okay and then (laughs) you know it sort of fell flat and i was shocked i really was because i thought oh my gosh this really great story um and people who have read it there are fans in fact some lady in australia read it i don't know her and she posted on her blog and oh it's the best book i've ever read and so see it does resonate with some people but finding enough of them and really feeling like you achieve something or that your book was, I don't mean to act like I'm money hungry, but I would like people to read my books and enjoy them. Mm -hmm. And when you can't find those readers, it's kind of dissatisfying, a dissatisfying ending to a great book. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think that the, 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 takeaway i think is probably if you're going to do stuff like this you know you you want to kind of dig into who the audience potentially will be mm-hmm. how, you know if there's similar stuff sort of read a, a bunch of that stuff and, and figure out sort of what they do um figure out how you're going to market it and maybe do all of that sort of legwork up front and then decide is it worth taking the chance and and then you have to also go into it with eyes wide open knowing that you are taking a chance um and you you could fail and you know for somebody who has a built-in audience you know sometimes that that can help a little bit like some of those people i'm sure some of your fans probably from your previous book probably still read it um yeah so you know Mm -hmm. it's it's different than when you're just starting out and you tried to write something completely new and you don't have anything. Right. So it it is a little easier to take a chance when you've built up, uh, you know, an audience already, but that's, that's a, that's in no means a guarantee of success, I guess, is what we're. Right. I think I overestimated that, you know, people were liking the books I'd written. Why would they not like this one? It's of the same tone, the same voice. Um, But I really, broke the genre right by having her end up with the first guy i think that was the yeah if it makes you feel any better just think they just had indiana jones 5 come out and that was i saw it i thought it was a really fun movie and it's a complete box office bomb and it's like it doesn't like it's a great indiana jones movie It, it delivers everything you want and yet people didn't go and see it so sometimes you can get everything right and still fail true True, but in, in that case, my my theory is he didn't have a love interest in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Think about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the very end, the original girl comes back, but you, you know. Um, anyway, it's what people expect. Isn't that funny? It's just like I don't know if Coke changes their um, their recipe. This happened, right? And uh, no one drank, yeah. drank it. And yet Coke was this huge, giant market, right? It's right. kind of the same 
situation like uh oh whoops <laughs> yeah i think that's a that's a a problem that a lot of big brands and companies have where they overestimate they they i uh they uh misinterpret like the love for their product as a love for their company you know and it's like i you know people love coke the drink they don't uh-huh. necessarily love Coke, the company. So when they come out with a different drink, the people aren't like, hey, I love the company so much. I'm going to drink whatever they get. They're like, I love that drink. And now you've changed it. And I'm not happy about that. Right. right. So, right. yeah, I think that that is one of the. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing authors probably should think through is what is your brand? And, you know, is your brand strong enough to really write something that's totally against it's like swimming against the the current right Right. um Mm -hmm. and i'm really happy to write what my readers love that's not the point of this discussion but just one time i wrote something that was in my head and i wanted to write it and it didn't work out it didn't work out well, I mean, that's the thing. You've written it. It exists now. I mean, every other book you write, the more successful those books are, the more people will filter back to your previous books and see it. True. And the thing that we, that Craig and I have seen, which is amazing, and you'll see this in news. Uh, there was a news story about it just now, is there are suddenly authors whose old books do explode right. out of nowhere. There, there was an author, I think he was in his 80s or something, and he was signing books in a Kroger in Texas. And somebody did a little TikTok video and he was like, you yeah, know, I thought more people would be here. I'm kind of disappointed by it. And then tons of people bought his book and suddenly it became a bestseller. And just because of something completely bizarre and like one video can make a sudden world of difference. Yeah. You never know. So it's um, I think it's all about putting yourself out there. And maybe the audience does exist. If there are some people who like it, there must be more people who like it. And it is. It's not a question of the book's wrong. It's a question of how can we find the people who would like this book and put it in front of them. Yeah, I, I agree, but it's exhausting after a while. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, how much more time should I, and money, should I invest in this? Or should I just say, okay, lesson learned. Eh, you know, uh, I wish it had done better, but it didn't. And so I'll just, you know, move along and and try to give my readers what they really, really want really really crave and it's still fun to write that you know yeah and i mean you know you could always uh try to you know in future books tie in some of the characters to some of the characters over there so that people that end up reading those other ones and really liking it will want to read sort of like their origin story you know like maybe she they had you know I don't know. She she has a kid with this other guy, and then they want to hear about her parent. You know, her parents talk about this weird experience they had and and uh, how they met, and they want you know people want to read that story, and they'll go back and read it. You never know. But I do agree that at some point you have to you know cut your losses and accept defeat, and you know it it doesn't have to be forever. You you might one day find that books like that are are all of a sudden all the rage, and then you can. try and market it again right exactly as the the og (laughs) yeah yeah don't don't lose sight of that but i do reflect back and think now what if that was my first book right it might have been too discouraging to continue um 
So, you know, maybe authors who are just starting out need to think about uh, what will help you feel uh, good about what you've done and you're not climbing up the steep hill. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that's an important point to to think about in terms of, you know, you have all this experience so you can look at this stuff and say, okay, well, I know I'm successful doing these other ones so I can walk away from this and not feel discouraged and, and give up writing. But, um, you know, I think the other thing that you're, you're doing that's important is the self-reflection about what it was that, that made it not work. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you, when you discover those things, when you figure those things out, uh, you can realize that if you change those things, your next one would be successful. So if you were to write another one, you know, maybe it would be, uh, you would change those things that you know people didn't like. You wouldn't have the two romances. You wouldn't, you know, so, so maybe it wouldn't discourage you. So, so if people are doing something like this, trying something new and it doesn't work, it is always important to reflect on why it didn't work. Look at the mm -hmm. reader, look at the reviews, look at the comments from your editors or your beta readers or whatever, and try to figure out, was there something, you know, that you did wrong that you could fix um, that you could learn from, or was it that, you know, you just are a terrible writer, which is probably not the, I mean, it's not for you, but I'm saying as a new writer, that's what's going to be in their head is like, I failed. So I'm a terrible writer. Right. But it's not always that it could be all these other, you could have just done a few things wrong. Um, and your biggest thing is, you know, romance readers really do want that one love, this, you know, one person, they fall in love, they, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and then you started two and and not an HEA for the one guy and stuff. So so you broke some of the key rules. And I think that yeah. that over everything else was probably one of the biggest contributing factors to people not connecting with it. And so if people um, went and, and had that same experience and they identify things like that, hopefully that would teach them that, you know, that don't give up, just fix those things and then try again. Right. right. No, good point. Yeah, I just feel like if it had been my first book, <laughs> I might have quit. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it, it's good to have some success early on. Uh, that keeps you going. You know, and writing's tough. It's not a job that, you know, like you own a bakery and everybody loves your your cupcakes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough. You have to come up with a story. You have to write it down. Um, it's, it's a hard job in my mind. And then after you've done all that, blood, sweat, and tears for this book, you put it out there and then you get a snarky review. Oh, ouch. Right. You have to be willing to live with all that or you get wonderful, great readers. I mean, there's the opposite end of the spectrum and they, they write you to say, please write another one, you know, or I just love this one. Those are the people that keep you going. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. And even sometimes it's just like one reader can make the difference. Like, Exactly. That's true. I have to tell this story real quick. I had a 13-year-old girl reach out to me on one of my rom-coms. And I'm not really targeting that age group, but they're clean and wholesome. And she told me how much she loved that book. And wow, what a difference that made in my day, in my week. Because I was like, you know what? I did not expect that age to read it, for one thing. And for her to have the 
uh, you know, the gumption to reach out and tell me how much she loved it. I was just a wonderful thing, you know? For sure. I, one, one glowing happy review is can really, really brighten your, your week. even. Right. So, so don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. You know what? We're, unfortunately, we are coming up to the, the top of the hour, so we have to wrap things up. But what a wonderful message to have. Don't give up. And that's true. I mean, everyone says it like the, the, the writers who are successful just keep writing. Only Harper Collins ever became famous with one book. Right. Harper Lee. Sorry. Harper Collins. Harper Collins is a publisher. Yeah, Harper, Harper, <laughs> Harper, Key, Harper Collins most definitely had more than one book to become successful. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but thank you so much. Now, okay, so hopefully people have been uh, listening to this and they're kind of interested in your time traveling romance. Where can they find it? <laughs> okay, well, it wasn't my intention just to try to get the thing to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the title is Forever You, and it's available on Amazon. Uh, you can just look for it there. Uh, and if you read it, reach out to me. I'd love to know what you thought. But be, you know, be forewarned. <laughs> it may not end how you wanted it to. <laughs> well, everyone's been forewarned now, haven't they? <laughs> they have. Um, well, that's wonderful. We'll pop a link down below for definite. And uh, Craig, before we wrap things up, do you have any final thoughts or questions or comments or I, I think this is, you know, a really good sort of lesson to to sort of give to other authors, especially people that are just starting out or people that are thinking about branching out is, is all these things that you want to think about and you want to go into it knowing, you know, what the possibility or possible outcomes are. And just because you have a built-in audience doesn't mean they're necessarily going to just buy everything you, you write. Um, but, you know, if you pay attention to sort of, you know what goes into the genre and you know the kind of things the 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 do's and don'ts of the specific genre that you write in um you know you you'll give yourself more of a chance of success at least um but doesn't mean you can't try different things you never know what will happen but you just have to be prepared to uh you know fail and and that's okay right especially if you if you know that you're a good writer you know that you can sell books and then you do something like this definitely don't let it discourage you and if you don't already know that because you're new or whatever and you try something new or try something and it doesn't work. That also doesn't necessarily mean be discouraged and give up, you know, look into it, figure see if you can figure out why it didn't work and, and then maybe try something different next time. So. Yeah. Good, good message. I mean, you know, every author thinks about uh, what if I write like next time, what if I try to write a Regency romance? You know, I don't know if I could just sit down and write one of those. So you're, you're exactly right. It requires some research and then also to figure out, is that a really popular genre right now? Or, it, you know, because writing takes time, you know, and if you're going to pour three months into something, you want to probably feel like it was worth it. Right. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, well, Leah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. This has been a really, I think a lot of people will think this is a really valuable and interesting conversation because I think that there are a lot of people who've probably been in this boat or are in this boat. And so it's kind of nice to, to hear other people talking about it. So thank you so much for sharing your frustrations. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And if you are listening to this or watching on YouTube and you appreciate what Leah has had to say, then make sure you scroll down and leave a comment down below. 
and give us some love. And while you're down there, there's a subscribe button. If you haven't clicked that yet, make sure you do. There's a little bell icon, which means you get notified every time we have a new episode. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Fully Booked. So until then, thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye.